0: Who wants to talk football? Who wants to talk NFL draft? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co host, John Riley, from our studios in San Diego. We welcome you to a bonus podcast Friday all things NFL Draft. John, what an unbelievable four hours of action. First day, first round NFL Draft. That's why we're doing our bonus podcast here on a Friday. Head into the Great Sports Weekend. Here comes rounds two and three on Friday night. The rest of the draft on Saturday. So much information.
1: So much. And it was a great event in Kansas City. We're going to go into the next couple of rounds. And I know that starts in about an hour. we got to get you out of here in front of the television.
0: Okay, let's talk about storylines because we're going to cover this draft from a couple of different angles a lot of opinions here before we start I know we have football fans that join us on a live stream John tell them how they can join us to talk NFL football only today on our fans forum
1: alright you have some questions some comments about the NFL draft drop them in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube we'll get you involved in Hacksaw's uh, in, in the fans forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines and
0: we remind you to subscribe to everything we're Doing on our podcast. We invite you to share with all your friends. Tell them what we're doing. Check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. At this hour, I have a recap of the first round. It's all written for you. And by the way, feel free to give us a rating. I will take a five-star rating from you. John will gladly accept a three- or four-star rating. John, question one, let's get this thing started. All right, we've
1: got to start off with Roger Goodell, man. I mean, this is his big event.
0: It really is. Uh, Somebody asked me this morning on one of the Canadian shows that I do NFL reports for if I could pick up a word or two to describe what happened last night in the first round. And the words they came up with were surprised and stunned i was surprised at all the transactions i was surprised at what houston executed i was surprised at the run on quarterbacks at the start and then all the quarterbacks disappeared off the board and i was surprised 16 defensive players went in the first round and i had told you yesterday on our thursday podcast i thought that's the way the dominoes were going to fall But I was really stunned. Nine teams, middle of the first round of the back, reached. They went and got guys that most people had projected would be at the end of the first round or into the second day of the draft. And those guys became first round draft picks. So there was just a myriad of things that happened. And you said, holy cow. Why and how did that happen? It was really surprising. Six trades in all in the first day of the draft, and you normally don't see that. And then obviously... What what happened with the quarterbacks dropping back, falling off the board, sitting in the green room. On we go. On we go. So let's
1: uh, let's start with what the Chargers, you know, how, how, what do you think how they did on the day one?
0: Well, you and I had g- gone back and forth. I projected they were, they were going to get a bonanza. I thought they were going to get a really good player. I did not expect this player to be there because he, in some of the mock drafts from the insiders around the country, thought that Quentin Johnston of TCU was going to be maybe somewhere between 15 and 20. But as strange stuff happened above the Chargers in the draft where people started taking weird selections, quality players started to fall in their direction. So when their choice came up, Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end, was still there. Any one of the receivers was still there. Some of the defensive tackles were still there. They went for a stud. Now, I'll preface what I'm going to say about the TCU rookie, Quentin Johnston, with this. Be prepared to say goodbye to one of the veteran wide receivers. Mm. I think he comes in as the heir apparent to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. We have talked in the past, John, that their cap figures next year are thirty million apiece. Somebody is going to disappear. Maybe somebody's going to disappear this year at the trade deadline. Somebody will be let go at the end of the season because the chargers just can't have those type of cap figure wide receivers. johnston's big he's six four he's two ten. Kid caught hundred fifteen passes at t c u unbelievable physical specimen. He's almost like a clone of Mike Williams. Very good. Yards after the catch. Has had problems with drops. They're going to have to work with the mechanics of catching passes with him. But 19 yards per reception, 115 catches for the Frogs, 14 touchdowns in two seasons. And the kid is big. The kid is physical. The kid is a gamer. The kid comes from good bloodlines. Both of his family and the military. He evidently blew the charge away at the Combine when they had the individual meetings. Very impressive player. So Quentin Johnston comes in. You got Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. You got the fast-emerging Josh Palmer, who caught a bunch of passes last year. You're going to have uh, Jalen Gaten back off the knee surgery. And now you add Quentin Johnston. That's the big play receiver. Uh, I'll ask you, should they have taken Big White out, or should they have taken Dalton Kincaid, the tight end? Or Mike Mayer's the other tight end—one Utah, one Notre Dame. Who should they have taken?
1: Well, I—I I, I was doing some research on Kincaid when you kept bringing him up, and that guy is legit. Yes, I mean he's a great player and he's huge too. But all along we were talking about the wide receivers. You thought they were going to get a burner, right? You wanted someone that was going to be fast. And all along you—you you thought the wide receiver at USC was really going to be the top guy. This pick surprised me to a degree, but I'll tell you what: as a Charger fan, we have got to be careful. We don't say. Quentin Jammer, it's Quentin Johnston.
0: Uh, big play receiver, this will be fun. They get a they get a new toy to give to Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator. Put this in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Chargers Chargers got so many skilled people. So I, I'm pleased they got themselves a really good player. Uh, that being said, they still have problems at defensive tackle and they have holes in the secondary. Mm-hmm. So they, they've not solved all their issues yet, but that's why there's a second and third round on Friday. Next question. Okay, let's go
1: on. I mean, this the Texans were just electric uh, last night. I mean, what's your breakdown
0: here, Lee? Well, if you recall yesterday, you almost spilled your coffee on the table. <laughs> when I told you that I thought the whole draft turned, the key to the draft was what those guys did with the second pick. What the Houston Texans did. And it, it happened. They stunned everybody by taking C. J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. And you and I had barked in weeks gone by on our podcast when we, we turned the NFL page. I said, You gotta have a quarterback in the NFL, it's a quarterback's league. Please don't tell me Houston you're gonna try to play again with a quarterback, Davis Mills, whose career record's five and twenty, two and one. <laughs> well, they they hid this thing pretty good behind the smoke screen. And everybody was writing, and they must have been dropping hints in Houston about defense, defense, defense. And they took CJ. Stroud, And the minute that happened, I said, whoa, that's going to change the top of the draft board. And then five minutes later, they made the trade with Arizona to get the third pick after taking the quarterback at number two. And they paid an unbelievable price to execute this transaction. They gave Arizona a one and a two this year, a one and a three next year. Wow. Now, Houston, Houston has stockpiled a lot of currency, and they just spent a whole bunch of it. But they went and got Will Johnson I'm sorry, Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama. And, you know, there's a hidden piece of this conversation. Nobody's really brought it out. So D'Amico Ryans comes in, working with Nick Casario, the general manager, and Houston started the draft with 12 picks. They get the quarterback. They get the pass rusher. And nobody's talked about this other piece of the story. They signed 12 veteran free agents on defense. Wow. 12. They've rebuilt the whole bloody defense. They'll be renting guys for a year or two, but they're going to go from bottom of the barrel and suddenly they're going to be really competitive because not it's just not Will Anderson the linebacker, but it's the whole cadre of guys that they brought in from other players from the, you know, 49ers and it's just amazing how they've flipped this thing real quick. And now they got a legitimate quarterback. He's going to play. <laughs> I don't know how good he's going to be as a raw rookie, but he's going to play. So suddenly everything has changed. The whole draft flipped because of what the Houston Texans did. Your reaction.
1: I mean, has the have
0: the Texans ever had
1: a great team? I don't think they ever have. I think if the last time football was big in Houston was when the Oilers were
0: playing. No, 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 no. Deshaun Watson? Yeah. JJ Watt? Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. But how far did they get in the playoffs? Um, they, well, they had a whole good group of players, and they were really competitive, and then mm-hmm. injuries kind of overwhelmed them. Right. Virtually everybody. At one point, they had... Three of the top defensive players in the league, Whitney Merciless, gave him 10 years of really great play at linebacker, and J.J. Watt was there, but then injuries caught up to all those guys, and then the whole Deshaun Watson mess. So, I mean, they've gone through two really horrid, horrid seasons. So, no, I mean, Houston Oilers football is a long time ago, and I I know you're (laughs) going to tell me Pastorini and Earl Campbell, and way back in the day, George Blenda with the AFL Oilers, but they were good, and then it got really, really bad. Now they've gone through the really painful time. so... It stunned me, like, but you know, as I said, all week, they hold the key to what's going to happen. And boy, they they turned this thing on, opened the door, and they dove through the door and flipped the draft upside down.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're ready to win. They get the, they get the coach. They move the draft picks around. I mean, they're all in in Texas. We move on. Next question. Okay, we're going to talk about the Colts, and this particular pick was interesting to me because this is the guy that's from another world. He's from another planet, and the Colts are, took a risk on this one.
0: Well, I don't know if they took a risk. They're taking what I would assume, John, is a big investment. Okay. AR-15, Anthony Richardson. If you look at some of the video of him at Florida, you say, wow, what a stud, what an athlete. He's a freak. He's 6'4", 240, runs with the wind, strong arm, sometimes accurate, sometimes not so accurate. I think he's really an uncut gem. But Houston, I can't imagine the shock within their front office. When C.J. Stroud came off the board at number two after Carolina took Bryce Young at number one, because all of a sudden, whoa, they have to step back and they have to reevaluate. I wonder if there was big debate, should it be Anthony Richardson, great skill to be delivered at a later date, or do we take a jump? in faith and try to do Will Levis from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Now, there's all kinds of stories about Levis, and we'll get to that in just a minute. This kid's a player. But that being said, he's an unpolished gem. He's unrefined. He's going to have to play. He's going to have to play with a running back who they don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to be back fully from surgery. He's going to have to play behind a battered offensive line. Guys coming off surgery, The left tackle had retired, uh, play with a bunch of young wide receivers. All of them got dinged last year. So he walks in, and yeah, they got a lot of names there you might recognize. But boy, there's a lot of glitches and issues with a whole ton of these players. So how do they handle this with Shane Steichen, the new head coach? But A.R. Richardson is just like Jalen Hurts. Big, fast, physical, can run, can Drill it, but he only completed fifty three percent of his passes uh, while at Florida last year, and he only played one year as a starter. Work in progress. You send him out there with a bad team; he might get his brains blown out. What <laughs> happens to his confidence if he just if he's throwing interceptions and taking sacks because he's not ready to read defenses, et cetera? A huge, huge talent down road about how hard is it going to be from point A in Indianapolis right now to point B where he makes them a really decent football team. Big, big debate. But I think Indy was shocked and they obviously saw more upside to Anthony Richardson than they saw to Will Lovis. Go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, I saw one of the um, highlights of him throwing like a 50, 60 yard pass. It looked like, like a flick of the wrist. I mean, this kid is very talented, to your point. But how about the uh, the video shot of the Indianapolis Colts war room, draft room? And there's Jim Ursay right in the very front of it. It looked like they had to roll him in, you know, because he was barely moving. Um, but uh, it's just, it so, so, this whole draft is is just a spectacle of entertainment. Entertainment on so many different levels, but this is going to be a fun quarterback to watch.
0: Well, I think so, and I think down road, down road, mm-hmm. but they've had such a struggle since Andrew Luck walked away from them, but I think it's a good pick. But the talent is to be delivered, I think, in the future. OK, let's go on and talk about a quarterback that did not get picked. Oh,
1: my God. The the whole Will Levis saga. I mean, this is unbelievable. And just the emotions in the green room with, with him and his family and his girlfriend. He was
0: the last one in the green room. He was, you know, there were three marquee guys that didn't get picked in the first round. They're going to get picked within the hour at the top of the second round. And, by the way, look look for a pile of trades because I think everybody is calling Pittsburgh, which has the 32nd pick, the top pick in the second round, to try to get that pick because that quarterback's going to get taken. It was it toe injury? Was it the fact that he really struggled his second year compared to the statistics he had put up prior? There was some glitch there. Part of me said, well— as the draft went on, the teams that were drafting didn't need quarterbacks. But then I went back and I looked, and I said, sure they did. Minnesota could have taken Will Levis as the future in place of the highly-priced Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Would have given him a year or two de- to develop Levins. Uh So Tennessee desperately tried to trade picks and picks or players and picks to get into the first round to get him – didn't. They took an offensive lineman with their own choice. Uh, there are three or four teams that I looked at that said, well, they could have taken him, did not take him. But they also had a lot of other needs. And when, there's, when there started to be a run on defensive players and there was a run on the offensive lineman, I think that's why Levis just fell down the board because others said, well, yeah, we might like that quarterback for the future. But Jesus, is highly highly rated left tackle here. Or... Pretty good pass rusher here. I think that's what happened. He's going to go, he'll probably go first pick, second round. Somebody's going to trade in and give Pittsburgh... A chunk of additional currency, and the Steelers will let somebody have that draft pick.
1: I mean, some people thought he was a top ten, or maybe even an outside shot at the number one overall. yeah, well, that might have been a reach. Yeah, but you know, it's just kind of interesting that he fell out of the whole the whole top ten list. But it's just the 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 camera out that is on his face, and the drama, and the disappointment, and you know, and you could see his girlfriend was really kind of angry <laughs> through the whole thing because she thought her boyfriend was going to be this famous guy. And he is famous, but and now for a different reason. And then mom's there kind of consoling him. So it's just the drama of the whole thing is amazing.
0: I flash back to the movie Draft Day. Yeah, Bo Callahan sitting in the green room <laughs> forever and steam is coming out of his ears and the body language and all that. And I thought, well, poor Will Lovis. Yeah. That's, that's one of the downsides to being in the green room. He was not the only one. I think the other surprise, Joey Porter, the son of the Pittsburgh Steeler legend, who had a great career at Boston College, I thought was a mid-first round pick. I thought he was going anywhere from 15 to 31, mm-hmm. and he did not. He sat there and sat there and sat there. I don't understand that glitch unless they think he's under Sized, or maybe there's a lack of foot speed, because he'd been projected to be a first round draft pick. Uh, Brian Branch, out of Alabama, safety, good player. He did not get picked. Uh, these guys are all going to go uh, at the at the top of of the uh, second round. So, it yeah, felt bad for Will Lovis He'll get his day, and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with going in and being a second round draft pick. If you're sitting there till the fifth round. Now there's something else going on.
1: Yeah, well I mean I just remember Aaron Rodgers about sure. 20 years ago sitting there in the green room looking kind of lonely. So, yeah, let's hope Will Levis gets picked this early today.
0: On we go. Let's talk about the huge massive defensive lineman on the draft board.
1: Yeah, this guy is something, you know, and and a very talented player. I mean, unbelievable, but I was reading more about what got him into trouble a few months
0: back, and so I want to hear your breakdown. Well, Jalen Carter just a of a defensive tackle University of Georgia sat on the board many people thought top five pick I thought he was a lock to go to the Seahawks sat there till nine Philadelphia made the deal to get him what a good player he is that being said there are character flaws with this kid the big issue at the end of the season after the national championship game he went out partying with friends and teammates he got involved in a drag race outside of athens georgia the driver of the other car was a teammate who flipped and crashed and got killed Mm -hmm. woman in the car got really badly hurt worked within the athletic department then they find out that carter was driving a university vehicle he should not have had access to then he was not forthcoming with the police during the course of the investigation were you there where were you when this happened where did you go The answers were not really forthcoming. They had to squeeze it out of him finally. He never got charged uh, with with anything as it relates to the fatality of the accident. Now, there was a minor traffic charge for speeding and drag racing, which I believe they've already settled out of court with some type of plea bargain. But his lack of forthrightness with the police, Mm -hmm. I think, really bothered NFL people. Then we found out this morning... That Georgia coaches didn't like his attitude, didn't like his, quote, practice habits. Football came easy to him because he's a massive man. Mm-hmm. He's big as a cement block. He's a really good football player. But the coaches did not like his approach to practice and things like that. And the insinuations are some of the coaches told NFL teams, yeah, he's massive, 6'4", 316, whatever he is. But this, this this really bothered us. So suddenly clubs are looking at yeah, he's got all these measurables, but what about the intangibles? And they started to back away. A couple of clubs at the in the top ten picks took him off the draft board. They said, We're not just going there with the guy. So I think Philadelphia got a steal. And the and the reason I think the Eagles get a steal with Carter is because they drafted two of his teammates a year ago, led by the other big defensive tackle, Jordan Davis. They've got four Georgia Bulldogs now from the last two drafts on their roster. And I think there'll be peer group pressure from all those veterans to, uh, keep him on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. And there'll be obviously direction from that coaching staff as to how he's going to operate and be a professional football player. So, uh, Little bit of history here, and that's why he did not go top five, but nothing wrong going top nine. And my goodness, he's going to a great defense. Holy cow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, the defensive line in Philadelphia is going to be incredible. So that, that's a, that's a great place for him to go. But I mean, you know, we were talking yesterday about some of these uh, players, they get into trouble with the law. It's really disappointing. In the whole scheme of things, I, granted, it was an unfortunate loss of life, but it wasn't his fault necessarily. This is, in my opinion, relatively speaking, minor compared to other things like Mikey Williams, we were talking about yesterday. But um, I think these players have um, been prima donnas. They've been, you know, in high school, they were untouchable. In college, they're untouchable. They think they can do no wrong. And then they have to grow up in a hurry.
0: And they're entitled. And it's a big issue. But I'll take issue with what you just said when I open the door. If you want to go stand out left field and do the rest of the show, (laughs) if he's not driving the other car, there is no drag race. Okay, fair enough. That's, and simultaneously, yeah. when the police come to ask you a question, do yeah. you not answer it honestly? Yeah. At that point, at mm-hmm. that moment, so there's a whole pile of issues there. Okay, let's move on and let's uh, let's do a little ranking here. Go ahead. <laughs> okay.
1: So yeah, you're asking who had the best draft. I mean, frankly, I was shocked that the Eagles were in the top ten for their picks. I mean, it was obviously from from previous
0: trades. Sure. I, I gave Philadelphia and Seattle top two votes. Cause they course, they had two first-round picks each. For Philadelphia to get Carter, and then at the back end of the first round, by virtue of an injury issue, for them to go get Nolan Smith, unbelievably fast linebacker from Georgia. I mean, those are two bonanza players. The Eagles have already added to just an unbelievable defense led by Fletcher Cox and the linebackers in the secondary. Uh, Seattle, I think, had a really good draft, but I think the Seahawks also had a really strange draft. Seattle wound up with a really good cover corner uh, from Weatherspoon, Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. I mean, that guy is a player. You look at him and you see Richard Sherman. Mm. So I I thought that was a really good draft pick. And then later on, they could have had a quarterback— uh, as a future replacement and they, they did not go get it and instead they went and got uh, Jackson and Jeeba speed guy, Ohio State mm-hmm. so now you got Lockett and the other stud receiver on the other side, DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. and now you got a slot guy. Wow. So uh, yeah Geno Smith said, yes sir <laughs> uh, so I I think Philadelphia Seattle had, had the best drafts of all, of course they had multiple picks too yeah, I mean
1: it's nice to see Seattle kind of coming back to life. And they were saying that the uh, the kid that they drafted from Ohio State might have been the best receiver they've had over the last three or four years, including local guy Chris Olave.
0: Yeah, and you add in, I mean, you look at all the receivers Ohio State has produced in the last three seasons. I and mean, this this guy's good. He was dinged up. There's some injury problems there, but fascinating. Next question. Okay.
1: So we were talking about the Lions. They're on the come. The Lions are the hot, fun team in the NFC. I mean, what was
0: your take on their drafting? Well, the question was strange drafts. Yeah. Okay, so I just alluded to Seattle. They could have had Jalen Carter as a cement block in the middle as they try to fix their defense and our defense is really poor. Could have had him, and they could have had the quarterback of the future. Maybe it was Will Loves. Maybe it was Herndon. But – and they had told Geno Smith, we are probably going to get a quarterback for the future. So so instead of taking the huge defensive tackle and the quarterback of the future, they took two good football players. I, I just thought, I don't know, Pete changed his mind or maybe the Carter, Carter off-field issues chased the Seahawks off, off the board there. I don't understand Detroit, and I like Dan Campbell, and he is, he's done such a phenomenal job in two-plus years of stockpiling talent and getting into play hard, and they rented the quarterback, Jared Goff. When you're drafting there at 6-18, and 18, and then they traded back a little bit, why would your top pick would you take a running back at Detroit when you had just spent a second-round pick? On a big kid out of Georgia, DeAndre Swift, mm-hmm. and you just spent free agent money to get David Montgomery of the Chicago Bears. Why would you take a running back with that draft pick? I thought that was really weird. And then with their other pick, uh, they went and got a player that you could have drafted at the back of the first round or in the second round because he was not projected that high. You know, So I'm sitting there and just wondering, why is Detroit conducting this type of business this way? Um, I I I just don't understand. And they got such holes in their secondary. Why would you have had a lot of injury problems and a, a number one pick that failed and another guy they traded? Why wouldn't just go get a really good cover corner? So I I I thought their draft draft picks were reaches and really strange. And in fact, the Alabama running back who who got drafted with their first pick said. I didn't even think they were interested. We didn't have much conversation. That's a it, it, it's a weird way to do business, especially when you've already spent inventory yeah. on DeAndre Swift and on David Montgomery.
1: Well, for both of these head coaches, are they also the general manager?
0: No, but they have a lot of clout, a lot of impact. Mm-hmm. So, you
1: know, I I just look at Seattle. And I look at Geno Smith, and I'm like. Just it was a few years ago, we thought he was done. He was like washed up with the Jets, and he's kind of had a nice little comeback in Seattle.
0: Yeah, and it' have been in the mix of rebuilding. They've had no running game. He's had to do a lot of it as on his own. They had, they've had they rebuilt their offensive line. So I have a lot of confidence in John Schneider and, and Pete Carroll, but I thought I thought those were kind of really strange drafts. Okay,
1: so we got the big news that you broke yesterday about Lamar Jackson.
0: Well, as we've gone forward, we've talked extensively about uh, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, his demand financially, what he eventually settled on. He's top of what everybody else got. Deshaun Watson set the new high-water mark a year and a half ago, coming out of all the controversy in Houston when he got the five-year, $230 fully guaranteed contract from the Browns, which opened everybody's eyebrows, and suddenly there was a revolt. The Deshaun Watson contract is not going to be the new norm in the NFL. We're not guarantee a quarterback, all five years, six years, whatever it is. Then along comes Jalen Hurts. And where Deshaun Watson got 230 fully guaranteed, Jalen Hurts got 250, three-fourths of it guaranteed. Wow. Became the highest average quarterback at 51 mil. Watson had been at 50. Now they got Lamar Jackson. So he goes out. He gets his total contract is 260, 52 mil. Guarantee. So he's now the top earner. Mm-hmm. Total salary, average salary. He got one hundred seventy nine million guaranteed. Some of that includes an insurance injury clause. So he made out like a bandit. So the next domino to fall is going to be in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Is he going to get fifty three mil from Mike Brown? And with the Chargers, Justin Herbert, can he extract fifty three mil from the Spanos family? One contract, John, impacts the next contract, oh, yeah. especially at the most important part of an NFL team, your quarterback. And, you know, the intangible story there with Lamar Jackson is so he gets his money. He stays where he's really comfortable. And add into this, they went out and they got Odell Beckham and from the New York Giants and the L.A. Rams as, as a wide receiver. And add into this, they drafted a wide receiver yesterday on Thursday. Hmm. So they're putting things around him and they have three deep running backs and they have a great tight end in Mark Andrews. So suddenly Baltimore looks a lot healthier on the offensive side of the football where they've really been deficient the last couple of years. That being said, Lamar Jackson has to stay healthy. So so I painted you the storyline of how these contracts have Mm -hmm. topped each other going forward. What do you think? Well,
1: I mean, obviously it has a lot to do with timing when contracts come up. But do you think Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL? I mean, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback. I mean, if you were to disregard the timing of contracts, who's the number one dog?
0: Well, again, they rebuilt the offense around him to fit his skill coming out of the University of Louisville. So you got to give the Ravens credit for flexibility because they had to make a lot of radical changes, and they have. the The ingredient he's got to stay healthy. Last two years, uh, he's been off the field a lot with a wide variety of injuries. But that being said, I think his career record might be forty three and fifteen. Wow, that's pretty good. Exactly Uh, for as screwball an offense as they run for as different a quarterback as he is because he's more scramble than he's pocket and he's more run first, maybe throw second. Um he's a little bit like Randall Cunningham. Hmm. Not not as not like Donovan McNabb, but he's a bigger version of, of Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. But I think he's really good, and his his proficiency throwing the football, his accuracy, his decision-making has gotten collectively better and better. And now for the first time, really, in a group of years, they've added, because it used to be just him and the tight end Mark Andrews and run the football. Now, you go out and you go get Beckham, Mm -hmm. and you go out and go get one of these wide receivers, as they did at the end of the first round— Suddenly, their offense really, really looks different. He's got to stay healthy, though.
1: Well, that new—the the wide receiver they got was the kid from Boston College, right? Yes, Jay Flowers. And the, and, but they were comparing him to Tyreek Hill, and I think that's a pretty reasonable comparison. So imagine having that kind
0: of a burner to throw to. Apparently, uh, Lamar was pretty happy with that pick. And he should be happy with the money, too, on top <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. So, but now we know. Now the next topic on the table for future podcasts will be Joe Burrow's price tag— Justin Herbert's price tag, yeah. and will these owners who historically have been either poor or cheap, Mike Brown Spanos, mm-hmm. have the bank to go ahead and do it to give it to their quarterbacks? Because you've got to give it to them. You yeah. can't let these guys go on the open market. And if somebody's making fifty-two. You can't franchise tag Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and say, "Well, the collective bargaining agreement says we can." That's not going to fly. Can't do that with the Chargers either. So, hey, before we get to fans form, tell people about subscribing. Tell people about. Uh, Uh, the fans forum and how it works, and then give them the invitation to give us thumbs up and five stars. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. So all kinds of ways you can get involved in supporting the podcast. And yeah, if you go on Apple podcasts and leave a rating and review five stars, if you think Lee deserves it, you know, that's actually really helpful. It kind of boosts the credibility of the podcast and, you know, it helps us attract viewers and listeners. And so does the thumbs up as well. That's good for the algorithm that kind of gets the views and gets more uh, exposure to the podcast. Uh, you can get involved in the Fans Forum. we got a couple of guys involved right now. There's still a
0: chance. Just drop your question or comment in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. And if you like our live streams, give us a thumbs up. Also, give us the five-star rating. And don't forget to check my website. It's written ton of information. I wrote a recap of the first round of the draft. Go to my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. You can check it every day. Check it at night. First thing in the morning, you'll find really different Information there, not just on the NFL, but all things as it relates to baseball, the NBA, the NHL, pro golf tour, auto racing. You talk about it, <laughs> all write about it, and express an opinion about it. John, throw us some questions here. All right, here's one from Force Ghost
1: Fabio. He says, "Hey, Cleveland and Houston expansions have proved you need to
0: build the lines first before you grab a young quarterback." Well, when you go through, understand the part of the expansion process is you're paying a volume of money. Uh, But you're going to get the first pick in the draft. And if you're brand new, you need to take the top quarterback that's available because it is a quarterback league. The problem you have, and Cleveland becomes a prime example, when they came back in 1999 when they put the expansion team in to replace the old Cleveland Browns who had gone to Baltimore, uh, they drafted Tim Couch, who came out of Kentucky that year and was the best quarterback in the country. And (laughs) he ran... And a five wide receiver said it was kind of a gimmick and gadget offense, but he went to Cleveland. But the problem is historically, if you go to a bad club, you might be a bright quarterback, but you might get your brains beat out. I mean, that that starts (laughs) with what happened to Tim Couch. Do you know Cleveland went through, this is before Deshaun Watson finally got there in the Houston trade, Cleveland went through 23 different starting quarterbacks, dating back to 1999 when Tim Couch was there. And Couch's career got shortened by the batterings he took. In Houston, their top quarterback was a kid out of Fresno State, David Carr. Mm-hmm. He went in there and he got killed. And he, he he retired early. Just he took so many sacks and he was so banged up. I think one one year, I, I want to say he got sacked 86 times. You know how deplorable that is? Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that that's a problem. Young quarterback, top of the draft board, you're going to a bad team. And there's a reason they're a bad team. They can't protect their quarterback, and they don't have the people in front of them. If you can keep him healthy, you can grow him, and hopefully he will evolve. You know, the, the most tragic figure of, of modern-day quarterbacks is Jim Plunkett. If you recall, back in the day, Jim Plunkett was drafted by New England, went to a horrid Patriots team, mm-hmm. and had a great career at Stanford, and he was a stud. I mean, he was big and physical and strong and intellectual and all that, and he just got busted up. He took so many sacks. His career was really never what it potentially could have been. He wound up at the end of his career with the Raiders, but he walked into a situation there where he was managing the games because he had so many great skill guys that Al Davis had built around him. So... You know the Jim Plunkett, Plunkett example is is what happens with a, a large percentage of the guys that go at the top of the draft board. I mean that it that doesn't happen every time, as witnessed by the greatness of John Oway, uh and and obviously Peyton Manning and to a degree uh, Philip Rivers. But you go high in the draft odds are you're going to a really bad team.
1: Yeah, with probably with a bad organization, a bad GM, a bad coach. So, so they're set up to fail in those cases. But talking about the Browns, I remember I've i seen online where people have made these custom uh, Browns jerseys with a number and then the list of all the NFL <laughs> quarterbacks they had. And it's incredible <laughs> to go through that list because you've got guys that were drafted high. You've got journeymen. You've got some pretty decent guys in that list, and every one of them failed through that whole Cleveland uh,
0: streak. Yeah, yeah. You know, they got Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson was available because of all the mess he got himself involved in off the field. But, you know, prior to that... The guy that was going to lead him back, Baker Mayfield. how that work out? So so (laughs) it's tough. Uh, It's tough to develop quarterbacks. On we go. Next question. Okay, let's take a look at some of our YouTube
1: comments. And we're getting comments from a lot of different uh, social media platforms. This is from Facebook, from Brett Shepard. And talking about, you know, the Rams, like, losing all the players and not really having a draft pick. He says, love Hacksaw, but, oh, is he so wrong about the Rams?
0: I'm not writing that text to us from left field <laughs> the rams have lost 17 players in the offseason 13 of them were starters It includes two kickers 11 other guys no cap space eating contracts to get rid of players the Allen robinson wide receiver trade from the rams to the steelers this past week prime example uh granted They've stockpiled all these draft choices, I think they they enter the draft with eleven picks, but that's eleven unproven players. I feel sorry for Matthew Stafford. Offensive line problems from last year are still the offensive line problems from this year. Now they're down another receiver cause I got rid of Robinson, who they paid forty five million to, and they're paying some of his contract go for the Steelers. Can Cam Akers be the player that they hoped he would be? Well, he did have a good bounce-back breakout season last year. Is there enough help defensively? Where's the pass rush going to come from? Who's going to help in the secondary? They've lost so many players to the back end, including the trade of Jalen Ramsey, the release of Leonard Floyd. Aaron Donald's going to walk into the huddle and hand out name tags. Hi, my name's Aaron Donald. What's you? Where'd you come from? (laughs) I, I just, at the end of the day... The Rams spent all these assets, Brett, to win the Super Bowl. Nothing wrong with that. But they dug themselves such a monster hole in terms of the salary cap and all these bills are coming due. Now they're in massive rebuild. I don't even think they're a 500-football team going forward. So... You know, I hope it doesn't rain on you out in left field, but I think I'm right, and I think you're just writing me with your heart rather than using your head.
1: Well, the NFC West, all those teams are improved. The Niners, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. Well, the so,
0: Cardinals, they're in disarray.
1: Well, yeah, but they were at the top of the draft board or near there, so they got some more players on there on the up. So... Yeah, you, know, you say the Rams may not even be 500. Yeah, that's possible. They may finish
0: with only 4 wins, you know. Who who knows? Well, they only had 5 last year and Sean McVay just melted down to the point he thought about walking away and going to work at a library. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll be intrigued to see how he handles the negativity cuz they're going to have to rebuild this and he's going to need some patience and he's had great success. But when you're going through bad times, you got to search deep down within to stay focused and to stay positive and to grow the next group of players. But the next group of players, not going to win them the NFC West, at least not this first year. And Matthew Stafford's got a lot of mileage on those tires now, and he got pounded last year at two different injuries, and they don't have a backup quarterback. It's odd. I, I should have mentioned this. They might be in the running within the hour to trade up, and I'd never rule this out because they're bold about everything they do. They might trade up to get the Pittsburgh pick, and they might be the one that takes Will Levis. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens. So, uh, Brett, uh, please feel free to write us from left field again. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, got another comment here. Uh, this is from David Neshera about the uh, you know, the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets. He says he's going to regret it.
0: You're talking about Rodgers regretting it or Green Bay regretting it or the Jets regretting it? Well, that's it. a
1: great question. I think he means Aaron Rodgers.
0: Nah, I don't think so because they've loaded that thing with, with offensive skill people. Uh, you know, he, he was a huge backer. Nathaniel Hackett when Hackett was the coordinator in Green Bay, became the failed coach in Denver, got fired in less than one year. Guess where his luggage is now? Hempstead, Long Island. He's the uh-huh. offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. So there is a linkage between Aaron Rodgers and Nate Hackett. Uh, they got Brees Hall, a bright young running back. Uh, the, the intangible thing is they had three offensive tackles, all had major injuries. Got to get them all back. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in Robert Saleh's defense. I think that's going to take a jump up, and that's going to improve. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a lose lose situation for Aaron Rodgers. I do think when you have a chance to have a unique legacy, and he's had a great career, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, why wouldn't you just finish it with a franchise that took you in and grew you and you starred for? Why would you force a trade this lady in your career to go somewhere else, even though you like Hackett or you think there's a lot of good people there in New York? So that's the only disappointment is that I think he should have started. He should have finished at Lambeau Field.
1: Yeah, that would have been nice, you know, to kind of go out on top, go out as a Packer. But, you know, this is like Brett Favre version 2.0. We got the Packer guy going to the Jets. Is it going to work out? I don't know. I remember Ladanian Tomlinson went to the Jets, too.
0: Well, I think Rodgers has got much more gas left in the tank than Brett Favre did. Brett, you know, Brett also kind of wandered into Minnesota. Who could have thought he'd ever put on purple? after playing all those years wearing green and gold in the nfc north next question here on our fans for
1: all right we've got one here this is from the twitter and you you ran a poll about the uh, the chargers this is from uh force ghost fabio he says haven't followed the chargers since they moved but i do miss bethard trading the next year's number one for a third round project he could have had in the six good times well
0: uh unfortunately for bobby bethard it really finished up badly and I know as he just passed away um, six months ago, uh, I, I know that was the sandwich board he'd wear around his neck. I drafted Ryan Leaf, uh, but and you know, they bear some of the blame there. So does Mike Price, the coach at Washington State for lying to everybody about Ryan Leaf. But he also, please understand this, he built a Super Bowl team here in San Diego, which had had no success dating all the way back to the Air Correale era. I mean, when I came here, we were at the tail end. By I being mean, the voice of the Chargers, we were at the tail end of the Air Coryell era. And the last one standing was Dan Fouts. And then he got hurt his last year and said, I'm retiring. And that set off all the detonations where they had to rebuild. And rebuilding takes forever. And if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And they didn't have a quarterback. And it took them forever. And Bethard found and traded because he knew who Stan Humphreys was. And Bethard went into free agency in that era, and he got all these offensive linemen from other places. And his intelligence said, this guy who was a defensive end is going to be a good left tackle. And this guy who was a left tackle, I can make into a really good guard. And then they drafted – some other really good players. So as much as you may demean Bethard for the way it ended up, the Ryan Leaf 1-15 season, understand he fixed this thing and he took us where we had never, ever been before. So I, I think you need to view Bobby Beathard's stay here in a little bit more positive light because he got the bolts to hire Bobby Ross, built them to go to the AFC Championship game and win in Pittsburgh, and they went to the Super Bowl. It's 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 a run. It's a journey. You never forget. So, Beathard deserves accolades for that. And I think a lot of that gets gets lost in the shuffle of this whole Peyton Manning Ryan Leaf fiasco. You remember the year that the Chargers started
1: 0-4? I think they had was right, when they traded was Bobby for It
0: Ross's first year, I believe. And I think
1: you were the one that said they're going to run the table the rest of the season. And they darn near did. I yep. think they only lost one of the remaining 12 games. So, uh, yeah, Bethard brought in a lot of talent. you gotta, you got to give it up for him. He's a Hall of Famer.
0: And, you know, it's really strange. And I thought about this this morning. Um, it's a short window to do what these guys do. And the Chargers had that run to the Super Bowl. And, you know, we had the, the big welcome home party after the Pittsburgh Steelers AFC Championship oh, victory. Oh, that was huge. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Memory of a lifetime. But the window to do this is really small. We'll talk about this sometime on another podcast. But every one of the offensive linemen who had played that entire run to the Super Bowl, every one of them had knee surgery from after this after the Super Bowl game, through training camp to opening weekend the following season, every one of those guys had gone through some type of scope knee surgery. Wow. And the offensive line was never the same again. Mm. And there there, were, there was a lot of mileage in that offensive line. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden they woke up and they were hurt and they were old. You can't replace that many offensive linemen. And they just never were quite the same team again. So... You know, you only get one kick at the can with this roster, this group, and that was one and done. But Bethard put it together.
1: Hey, weren't those just great times at Qualcomm? I mean, just I had season tickets then through the through the nineties. You know, and I was listening to you on the radio while I was watching the game, and uh, that that was just an electric time for to be a Charger
0: fan. Oh my goodness, Uh, what was my phrase? Ticket in your left hand, transistor radio in your right yeah, hand, yeah. show me your lightning bolt, yeah. damn it. Uh, but we'll talk about it. We'll do a stroll down memory lane one of these times. Uh, another question or two here on our fans forum?
1: Yeah, we do, actually. There's, it's like we'll go back to some of these comments that have come in, and here we go. Um, yeah, George, George Lazo Jr. says, best 15. This is just like the old days. Damn right. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's another one here from uh, from Force Ghost, and I think this is a good point. He says it's a shame Penny didn't work out in Seattle. He just couldn't stay
0: healthy. Exactly. He had, I want to say, three major injuries, five injuries in all. Uh, Just could not stay on the field. When he was on the field, for whatever window it was, he was productive. Um, He averaged 5.8 yards per carry last year. Yeah, yeah, I was in cameo appearances over five or six games, but when he could play, holy cow, he made things happen. So just really tough for him, but there there were fluke injuries. He broke his hand, uh, had a torn calf, uh, might have been a knee injury in there, but he was hurt a large segment of the time. To the point, and he was not the only one. Seahawks lost all their running backs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and all of a sudden, Seattle woke up and said, we can't be paying these guys what they're supposed to get as a fourth or fifth year veteran. Because the union agreement says, John Riley, if you're a fifth year player, this is your base salary and your salary keeps going up. But John Riley, if you can't stay on the field, Mm -hmm. I just can't keep you. And that's what happened to Penny. Uh, One of the other running backs, Chris Carson, uh, career ending neck injury. Uh, another one travis homer speed guy uh not not as big and physical as penny a knee injury these guys are all gone to different places and carson's gone into retirement You're just that's the way the nfl is unfortunately for rashad penny injuries are part of the game.
1: Well, those guys just get pounded. I mean, so it's no wonder that you know, they, they're devaluing the, the running backs. They just seem to cycle through them. And I remember when LT was getting near the age of 30, they used to say that's when you know, the inflection and the curve happens and their production really tails off when they hit their 30s. Yeah.
0: And, you know, he had one knee injury here right at, the, right at the end. It was, unfortunately, it was the year the Chargers went to the AFC championship game in in New England. And he was hurt and Rivers was hurt. He had had knee scope surgery, but he was trying to play through it. It just wasn't the same player, same team. The saddest thing that I remember from that season, and there were so many great things that happened with LT and the records that he set and all that, and players carrying him off the field after he set the record for a touchdown scored. Saddest thing is I looked up. And here they are in cold Foxborough, playing the night game, AFC Championship game. And he's sitting on the end of the bench with a cape around him, and his helmet on, looking down. Knee injury, can't play anymore. And mm. here's the saddest picture. It was very of, sad, of, yeah. of the flash. But there's so many, so many great times that Rivers and Gates and LT had. It was good, but they they just never got there. And it's hard to believe they never got to the Super Bowl. With the cadre of really great offensive players that they had been had put in place, yeah.
1: Now it's a shame they they didn't capitalize on that. It Goes back to the San Diego sports curse, but uh no, LT- it goes back to the small window. Okay, the small window. Okay, well, it's, you know they're all connected. But LT's had a nice uh, career on on TV. You see him on television every once in a while, you know.
0: Um. Yeah, but I think it. I'll say something here that's going to bother people because I I love him. What a great athlete, really nice person. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He's a sellout. He sold out San Diego to go tell everybody how great the Chargers are in Los Angeles. Uh, I remember that. With no no reference and no memory of he wore the lightning bolt back here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's a sellout that really bothers me. I don't want to hear you talking on TV about the LA Chargers. That's our team, our colors. He stole the owner stole our franchise. To move it to L. A. That being said, I hope Justin Herbert goes seventeen and zero. I hope Dean Spanos goes zero and seventeen. <laughs> and you can direct me to your psychiatrist so I can lay on the couch and we can kind of work through this problem. Yeah. But I yeah. will guarantee you, everybody on live stream, I'm not the only one that feels that way.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, commenting on social media, like, why are you still covering the Chargers? You know, we've turned the page on them, but there's still a lot of people that love them, even in San Diego. And I mean, honestly, I gave up on the NFL when the Chargers moved out of town. But since we've been doing this podcast together, I've been following the NFL and I find myself kind of, rooting for the chargers again so i don't know is this
0: sacrilege i have no idea well i'll have the appointment at 1 (laughs) p.m with a psychiatrist you can lie on his couch at 2 okay (laughs) listen we hope you've enjoyed our bonus coverage nfl draft continuing through the great sports weekend we're going to be back on monday with bonus coverage another podcast will recap the nfl talk about some of the other topics on the table john as always enjoy talking exchanging gunfire with you sometimes Mm -hmm. don't agree with me but you're the one that's going from left field uh Have yourself a great sports weekend.
1: Okay, there's still time to get home and
0: time for round two. On we go. Here comes the rest of the NFL Draft. Thanks for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Please tell all your friends. Share all the information we have. Subscribe to. We'll see you come Monday. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. (laughs) For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.